Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. This week's episode is brought to you by the fact that we're doing a UK tour. The London show has already sold out, so a second London show has been on sale, and it is almost selling out as well. What? And there will not be a third show. Oh. There's no time, sorry. Oh, fair enough. We've got to go home. Bristol's also sold out, but there are still tickets available for Glasgow and Birmingham. And anywhere else? Leeds. Leeds. And Dublin. Oh, uh, Dub- Dublin's still got tickets. Dublin's getting pretty close uh, as well. Well, we're so. recording this in advance, so maybe... <laughs> Okay, so um, if you want to come to these shows, please buy tickets and you can do it via dogoonpod.com. And bringing things closer to home, Matt, we've also got a show coming up, first ever time, in Perth next month, Sunday, November the 3rd, at the uh, beautiful Comedy Lounge there. We've just released a few extra tickets, so if you want to get in on that, uh, we'd love to see you there, Sunday, November 3rd. Again, dogoonpod.com. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and I'm here, as always, with Matt Stewart and Jess Perkins. Always. Nearly always. I'm always here. You, yeah. You two haven't always been here. I was referring to you as always, Matt. Oh, yeah. I'm always here. And the sometimes Jess Perkins, yeah. our guest host. I pop in if and when I feel like People, it. Some of our most popular episodes have been when you've guest hosted. Thank you. Some of Ah, uh, what a pleasure to be guesting I mean, once again. You've probably got two in the top ten that you've been on. Do you reckon? <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, I think it has to be more than that. Yeah. You've, yeah. Missed, you've missed two? Yeah, something like that. Two or three, maybe. I reckon yeah. you've probably had ten of the top ten. Stop it. Wow, cop that, guest hosts. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We don't, we're not playing favourites here. It's great to be back in the studio once again with you guys for our second episode of Blockbuster Topher Grace Month, which is where we do, our, for the second year now, our most requested topics. Yes. 
And so it's Matt, great because then it sort of puts a lot of the blame yeah. back onto the people. Yeah, we, it's basically you wanted this. If you don't like anything this month, that's on you. Yeah, we didn't want to do this And topic. that feels great to us. So, What, la- what are you doing for Block? Uh, blaming the listeners. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when it goes well, for example, last week I was a bit trepidatious, if I can use that word. I don't think you can. Uh, I was a little use bit... Use it in a sentence. Uh, I was Last week I was a little bit trepidatious. Oh, I can. Mm. No, I still can't use it. <laughs> I was a little bit cautious going to last week's episode, <laughs> the first one of Block, which is our fifth most requested topic, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, mm. I did, because none of us had ever played it. I was worried that when you talk about something that people are so obsessed with and it's got such a big uh, you know, cultural touchstone for many people, I was worried worried that people would be annoyed that I didn't explain it properly. But everyone, thank you so much, has been so lovely about yeah, it. Yeah, been super enthusiastic, which is so nice. So, yeah, they got behind us. I got a couple of things wrong, but for the most part. Um, You're only human, Dave. Uh, thank you, know? you. Well, actually, I'm one-eighth wizard now. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. One-eighth. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Seven-eighths human. Oh. So I can't do cool tricks, but I can do stuff like um, uh, lift the toilet seat. Yeah, Dave. With my hand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Right, okay. Right. What were you doing before? Um, well, most men forget and they just shit on the lid. But okay. the one-eighth wizard in me, really. That's not That's not even the thing. The, the problem is putting it down. Are you saying that that's nothing to do with my magical ability? This is... Uh, maybe I'm one-sixteenth. You're just shitting on toilet lids. Uh, okay. Well, most men are. No. I assume. No. Do you not actually, do that, Matt? No. You that's, also, you're that's one eighth what... wizard and also one sixteenth Swiss Italian. <laughs> that's true. That is true. <laughs> I've got a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. I always found that one strange, the, the lifting lid. The stereotype is men don't put the seat down. Oh, of course. But but it, it doesn't like I don't I don't really understand why that's an issue. The lid down. The lid should always go down. Seal it in. Oh, I'm 100% with you. I do not want anything splashing in a room where my yeah. toothbrush is kept. I learned that off Oprah Winfrey. She said that once when I was a kid. Okay. I was at home, maybe sick from school, and Oprah Winfrey was, had some toilet hygiene expert on and said, got to put the lid down. Otherwise, when you flush, it just explodes particles all over everything, including your toothbrush. And were you like, nearby. that's why I'm home from school sick? <laughs> yeah. I haven't like been that. putting the lid down. Thank you, Oprah. Thank everyone, you, Oprah. Everyone, well, everyone I mean, changed that day. Yeah, everyone's had a thank you, Oprah moment, obviously, you know. You get a particle. <laughs> you get a particle. I'm talking a toothbrush. <laughs> Each Everybody gets a poo particle. Check under your seat. <laughs> poo particle. Oprah, she gets it. You just look at my seat and there's this shit on the seat. <laughs> Forgot to lift it again. Uh, but if you haven't joined us before, welcome to the uh, <laughs> Do On Show. Shit show. Uh, when I say most requested topics, what we do here is we take it in turns to report on a topic nearly always suggested by at least one of our listeners, and these are frequently suggested topics this week. And uh, it is Jess's turn to report on a topic that I believe Matt and I don't know what it's going to be. No, but I I do know the I knew the fifty in the shortlist. Right. So I'm, I'm, I've got a better chance. Okay. Can I use that knowledge to be, defeat Dave? Um, yeah. L- last week you let Jess have a go All first, right. I'll and let then regretted first, it yes. when she instantly got Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. Let me. What was your question? Because I did get it, uh, and that's wh- rare for me because I'm an idiot. I think it was the world's best selling, and no, yes, the wo- you said tabletop game or something. The world's yeah. first uh, mass marketed tabletop role playing fantasy game. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. And I got it. Yeah, that was a good get. 
Could have been one of many options. Yeah, it could have been so many things, but I was like, oh, I reckon I know. Well, let's see what the question is this week. <clears throat> the question is, which moniker was given to... Com- oh, Geller. Geller. <laughs> I fucking knew it! <laughs> Lewinsky. Lewin- Moniker with a K-E-R. Uh, oh, okay. Sellers. Was given to combine the original yes. Night Stalker and the Diamond Knot Killer. Oh, I'm afraid I start. I, I don't next thing about monikers. Can I have that one more time? <laughs> Which moniker was given to combine the original Night Stalker and the Diamond Knot Killer? Combine. Yeah. This is a superhero or a supervillain. Supervillain, I would say. Oh, okay. Fictional or, or real? Sadly, non-fictional. Very much real. Real. Real supervillain. Sure. Is this some sort of serial killer episode? Yep. What was what were the two things again? One last time. Original Night Stalker. Yeah. And Diamond Knot Killer. Okay. Diamond Knot Killer. Yeah. I mean, that's what. How do you spell knot? K N O T. Diamond Knot. <laughs> yeah. Not a killer. Knot uh, um, killer. Technicality. Think California. California. Sorry. Um. That was not a Patreon. Episode. I've got a guess here, Dave. Come on. I'm about to say it. Go for you, it. You having a guess? No. BT, no, we've already had that. Uh, Golden State Killer. Golden State Killer it is. California. Golden State. California. Wow. Yeah. Turns out he had such a prolific career that he was known by heaps of other names before they realised it was all one person. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yep. That's why. And I just want to say, like we said at the beginning, um, you wanted this, and this has actually been suggested. It's obviously one of our most uh, highly, most uh, frequently suggested topics. Yes. It's been suggested by about 13 different people. Wow, oh. unlucky 13. Um, shall I read you some of their names? Please, let's hear some of the sickos oh. that requested. I like the idea of some of them. They're going to leave some out. No, I, you, good point. Um, all of them. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I only want to hear the first nine. Okay. <laughs> uh, Dane Laguerre, um, our friend Sigaborg. Oh, from Iceland? Lewis uh, Gemmel. Great names. Connor uh, Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> we have some of the most complicated names. And you Connor, thought, uh, no, because... Smith, am I saying that right? Is Connor, that a Connor added a note. says, I've suggested before, and Matt always pronounces it like Jaminson, but it's Jamieson. So that's I what say Jaminson? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Connor, anyway. I've, I've never Connor said the definitely word knows who he is. So, but I love that I'm laughing about how easy that name is to pronounce, and there's literally a note saying Matt fucked it. Yeah, somehow. <laughs> Thanks, I've Connor. never said maybe, Jamison. Maybe like Jamison rather than Jamison. Oh, Jamison. yeah. I would have said Jamison. Yeah. Anyway, that's what it is. It's also yeah. been suggested by uh, Corey, no last name, Andrew Cox, um, Hussein Mehdi, uh, Jessica Lazoya. Whoa. Who? Helpfully put in the pronunciation as well. Um, Betsy Nichotelli and Stephen Bedwell have all suggested. Steve Bedwell? Steve. Wow. He's a, if it is Steve Bedwell. What a 1990s comic. Comedian. Yeah, well, I think he still exists. Hmm. But he no. was, he was, he hosted Triple M Breakfast in the 90s, the highest rating breakfast show on radio. Surely. Great can't. to have him suggesting. Thank you, Steve. Thank and you, he's Steve. a Saint supporter. Okay, well, there we go. That's how you really know him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have this categorical memory of anybody else who supports the Saints. That's nice. Um, okay, so Golden State Killer. Well, it all began the 19th of March, 1974, when $50 of coins was stolen from a piggy bank. That's 
pretty harmless. A gateway crime. Whoa, that and that was the the diamond nut. No. Oh, okay. This was believed to be the first strike for the Visalia Ransacker. Visalia is a city in California, about 230 miles or 370 k southeast of San Francisco, and most of the ransacker's activities involved breaking into houses, rifling through or vandalising people's possessions, um, scattering women's underwear around, um, and stealing a range of low-value items, um, often ignoring banknotes. So, like, you ignore That's money. Funny. And you imagine that the piggy bank was smashed and the coins were taken out rather Probably, than yeah. they just put it under their arm and walked out with it, which making a lot less noise. Probably smashed, wow. but uh, I don't have the police report. Hard to know. That's... Yeah, that's strange that they're going for the low-value items. I guess that's sort of, you know, things you learn in crime as you go along. Maybe take the higher value. Yeah, <laughs> right. take, take the... When you're a novice, you don't realise yeah. that $50 is worth more than $1. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you see a, a stack of cash all bundled up, and you're like, that's if they've bundled that correctly, that's easily twenty grand. I'm going to take the piggy bank. Yeah. I'm going to take yeah. the shiny ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're made of gold. Yeah. Uh, I'm not an idiot. Um, so he'd often ransack multiple houses in a day, including uh, on the 30th of November in 1974 when he ransacked a total of 12 houses. That's a big day of That's ransacking. That's a huge day. God, imagine the sleep you'd have afterwards. Yeah. You know, you'd be pooped. I imagine how loud the sack that's filled with coins would be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is that what yeah. ransacking is? Yeah. you got to have a sack. Of course. You, you can't know, ransack without a sack. Anytime I've got like a one of those little plastic containers of chewy in my bag, it's so noisy. Or one of those tins, like the oh, tins yeah. of mints. Oh, like a tin mint. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Eclipse mints. So noisy that I usually just take them out of my bag because they make so much noise. Imagine yeah. carrying around all this stuff. It's got oh. $600 in Jingling and jangling. All those mints I'm, I'm assuming you're stealing because the tin looks fancy. Really, you could have just robbed the first house and taken the money and had more money than so the So far, I think... The robber, the ransacker, is one of those birds. <laughs> Maybe a bowel bird. Yeah. Sees things that are shiny and pretty, right. takes them away. Yeah. To make a nest and attract a mate. Yeah. Oh. Is he, is, is, Just a lonely little bird. Is he taking a lot of blue things? Yeah, it's a magpie. <laughs> um, uh, the most common MOs of the burglaries included scaling fences and moving through uh, established routes such as like parks, walkways, ditches. It was usually in places that ditches. Had, had that nearby. <laughs> Oh, yeah, go through a ditch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. establish routes through the ditch. <laughs> <laughs> Just go around the ditch, mate. Yeah. No. no, no. People are like, well, that guy doesn't look suspicious. He's walking 600 metres through a ditch. <laughs> I'm picturing him, like, literally walking down a bank, so he's sort of, like, horizontal. <laughs> 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 He's yeah. a cartoon character. Yeah, he's a cartoon. Um, attempting to pry open multiple points of entry, particularly windows, um, leaving multiple points of escape open. So especially he'd leave windows, oh. garages, garden doors. So leave they them didn't all open. know which thing to, to... Or if somebody comes home, he's got multiple routes out. Oh, right, when he's inside. When okay. he's in, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, removing window screens um, from like windows, bedroom windows and stuff oh, like that. Oh, at least he does not break them because that would be annoying. You know? yeah. You've got to get your fly screen yeah. redone. Yeah, or, and all of a sudden you don't have your loose change you know, anymore. To, yeah, he to can't afford these it. things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you do have those bundles of $100 bills. but yeah. Who wants to break those? Yeah. That's my long-term savings. Yes. Right. The coins, that was my rainy day stuff, yeah. you know? 
you got to have different buckets. <laughs> yeah. That's what the barefoot investor teaches us. Um, or apparently we'd also place warning items around, such as like dishes or bottles against doors and on door handles so that, again, if somebody came home or if there was movement, he'd know. Oh, right, like it would make a... It would make a noise. I once did that um, in my childhood bedroom when I was about seven. I had a bucket full of marbles and I tied it to... Oh, uh, no. In a yeah, the bucket handle was tied to the door, and then there was a bookshelf right next to the door, so the marbles were put on top of that. My mum opened the door and they went everywhere, and she nearly died. <laughs> she, <laughs> she slipped on them. No, she was just so terrified. <laughs> opened the door and smash, smash, smash. You know, it's oh probably like God. you know, I had two hundred marbles or something insane. You were a little Kevin. Yeah. McAllister, yeah. Right? <laughs> I was like, don't come in my room, mum. Yeah. I'm the wet bandit. Was that why you? Why did you do it? For what? safety. Yeah, for safety. <laughs> oh, how, how old were you? Were you, you were yeah, in, we know. We're in the well, how old were you, Dave? Seven. Was your body going Seven through changes? Okay. Yes, heaps of changes, yeah. <laughs> okay. You weren't the wet bandits. They were the bad guys. Kevin was st- – you, you thought your mum was the wet bandit. I was the wet dream bandit. <laughs> <laughs> and in the morning you were the sticky <laughs> bandit. <laughs> I just thought I think I, it was. I was setting up traps, Indiana Jones style, yeah, very much right. into um, to trap uh, baddies. Yeah, I didn't like want people coming mum. in to steal like gold heads, you know. Sure, which you had. Also yeah, of course. In your room. And Mum came in with a bag of sand and carefully replaced it. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the giant ball just chased her out, yeah. and, um, <laughs> and she ran away. She said, "Dinner's ready, David." <laughs> <laughs> And she learned her lesson that day, and she still hasn't been in Dave's room yeah, since. She hasn't come back. <laughs> she hasn't come um, home. <laughs> miss her every day. Um, so the ransacker was described as young, Caucasian, and male, around five foot ten. Um, and how tall are you, Dave? Uh, five foot eight. So he's about one hundred and seventy-eight centimeters, slightly taller than Dave. Oh, actually, I'm probably five foot six. <laughs> yeah, I'm about one seventy. Yeah, same. Yeah. Um, and about 180 to 200 pounds, so 80 to 90-ish kilos. Definitely not me. <laughs> Definitely not. That's twice you. Um, I was like, wearing a, a platform shoes <laughs> and the Santa suit that I used to wear Yes, uh, with padding when I dressed up as Santa. God, you would have been such a sad Santa. <laughs> oh, man, it was Things terrible. are not looking <gasps> good. Santa sack. <gasps> Ransack. <gasps> it's Santa. Santa. <laughs> Oh, my God. We cracked it. Wow. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Um, We finally solved this unsolved case. Thank you for joining us. Uh, (laughs) For coming in. Um, So people are obviously getting a glimpse of him then. Yeah. Because he's he's hitting a lot of places. Right. And Um, then people are seeing him in the ditch. Yeah. Walking through a ditch. Like, that does seem odd. Mm. Mm. Why is he carrying a sack in the ditch? Mm. Yeah. Um, is physically fit, able to run and, and bicycle and scale garden fences. Certainly not me. No. Um, with relative ease. So, yeah, definitely not you. And he also, oh, I'm so upset to say, he also appeared to be left-handed. Um, sinister. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So Not ambi-sinister, though. No. no. Evil-handed. Yeah, he's evil-handed. Yeah, he had the evil gene and the evil hand. <laughs> After a spree of about 18 months, uh, and again, hitting places quite frequently and never getting caught, the ransackers' crimes took a darker turn on September 11, 1975. Um, 45-year-old journalist Claude Snelling woke up at about 2 a.m. to strange noises in the house. He got out of bed to investigate and found an intruder wearing a ski mask attempting to kidnap his 16-year-old daughter. Oh, God. 
Um, shouting and running towards the intruder, Claude was shot twice and the assailant fled the scene. Um, his daughter Beth was safe, but Claude later died from his injuries. Ooh. Oh, jeez. But earlier that year, Claude had chased a prowler away from the house after sco- discovering him near his daughter's bedroom window. So police then set up stakeouts at other houses that had been targeted previously by prowlers hoping to capture the assailant, thinking he's coming back to places he's already been. Yeah, that's good work. Um, they they were even offering a $4,000 reward to catch this person. Like they were, they were pretty desperate and not having a lot of clues. And they came very close once, a couple of months after Claude Snelling's murder uh, in December of 1975. A masked man entered the backyard of a house uh, – near where the ransacker had been reported to frequent. And Detective William McGowan was already on stakeout inside the garage of the house. So luckily he was in the house that the ransacker appears at um, and he fired a warning shot at the assailant as he came into the garage and the ransacker surrendered. He was like, yep, all right, you got me. He was spooked by the, sh- the shot. Okay. But somehow managed to jump a fence. Oh. What? Pulled out a revolver, firing once near McGowan's face and shattering his flashlight. So nearby officers rushed to the aid of this Detective McGowan and the shooter was able to escape. And after the incident, the ransacker pretty much went quiet, leading police to believe that he had left Visalia. He'd left the area. So they like so they had him. him. But like what a cool idea of like we'll just stake out houses that he's yeah. that have had prowlers near around them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But then you get him and then he he gets away. He su- had the the leap from him surrendering to then jumping a fence. Yeah, I don't know. That's like something out of an action movie. Yeah, you know, suddenly they've like, got yep, a gun. Yeah, and, and then he does a somersault over the fence. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I mean, I guess he got lucky and they got very unlucky. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. Like he just sort of must have gone for it. He could have got shot, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. So he. Those, after and then those, to escape as well when there's cops all around the all area. All around. And they've come to the aid of their colleague, obviously, who's been shot at but was okay. Yeah. But he's gone. Yeah, they know where he is, you think, the vague area. But... Yeah. Yeah. And so he disappears from Visalia, doesn't really attack anymore. By the middle of the following year, of June 1976, it seemed that the ransacker had moved to Sacramento but oh, w- that makes sense. Sacramento, Ransack. Ransack. It just feels like yeah. a better fit for yeah. him. Um, he also loves Mentos, so it just made sense. Um, but he wasn't just ransacking and burgling now. He'd progressed to much more serious and sinister crimes and had a new nickname too. Uh, his initial MO was to stalk middle-class neighbourhoods at night in search of women who were alone in one-storey homes, usually near a school or a creek or trail or uh, other open space that would provide a quick escape. Right, so you could run through the school. Yeah, well, I mean, like, because, I mean, schools take up, like, a lot of space. Yeah. So I suppose you could escape through multiple points, right. parks, anything like that. Gosh. And he'd often sort of escape through backyards. Like, you'd just jump fences, jump fences, and then all of a sudden you're three blocks over and in a, going in a different direction. So they don't know where you are. And at this point they, they didn't realise it was the same guy? No. They don't realise for decades. Right. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, so uh, this is uh, just a quick sort of recap from 
um, Wikipedia, most victims had seen or heard a prowler on their property before the attacks and many had experienced break-ins. Police believed that the offender would conduct extensive reconnaissance in a targeted neighbourhood, looking into windows and prowling in yards before selecting a home to attack. It's believed he sometimes entered the home of future victims to unlock windows, unload guns and plant ligatures for the later use. So he'd break in and plant stuff there for when he attacks. Like weapons and things. Yeah. And ligatures, so like to to tie them up. It's fucked. That that like ups your chances of getting busted rather than just bringing a backpack or a sack. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You come in like, I don't remember unlocking that window. I don't remember putting that gun on the desk. What's that fresh pack of shoelaces doing over there? Hmm. Ah, well, it's the 70s. Yeah. We're always... Always breaking shoelaces. Yeah, Never know when like. need a few extras. Apparently he also frequently telephoned future victims, sometimes for months in advance, to learn their daily routines. So he did a lot of research. Um, initially he targeted women who were alone, um, but the man, now referred to as the East Area Rapist, soon began targeting couples as well. So now he's got a new nickname, which is super fun. Right. Um, so his MO was to break in through a window or a sliding glass door and awaken the sleeping occupants with a flashlight, threatening them with a handgun. He'd usually separate the couple, stacking dishes on the man's back and threatening to kill everyone in the house if he heard them rattle. So oh, wow. he'd tie them up and then like separate them, put yeah, a stack of plates or cups or whatever he could find on top of the man so that he, if he moved, he'd know and then he'd kill everyone. Right. I am not good at lying still. Right. Very fidgety. Especially, um, I would imagine you'd be quite stressed Mm. at that time. Uh, A lot of adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. I I find, like, even in the cinema, I can't sit in the same position for more than five minutes. In the cinema? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And there's a lot of adrenaline in a cinema. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially when you're watching films that I like. The Rock, Con Air, (laughs) Die Hard, And you're watching watching those in cinemas? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. Do you have a cinema in your house? Uh, yes. Okay. And we've not been invited over? Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Never coming over. I have a little popcorn machine. That'd be fun. Do you Can have I a popcorn machine? Yeah, I do. Dave's got a popcorn wing of his house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sorry. Damn it. He's got a popcorn butler. Ah, just for popcorn? Yes. Yeah, there's a whole popcorn farm there. They, they I mean, obviously it's corn at the start. <laughs> but... <laughs> but, you know, as the process goes on. Wow. My immense wealth comes from... Popcorn. I'm a popcorn mogul. Good for you, Dave. And you. also, why the fuck did I have to get my own popcorn maker when you live not that far from me? And well, apparently, I also manufacture popcorn maker, so you really helped my empire by buying it. that little machine. Well, jokes on you. I didn't buy it. A friend sent it to me. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, she bought it. Fuck! <laughs> fuck! Um. Yeah. So on some plates. Oca- plates. On some occasions, he spent hours in the house. Like, you kind of think that, that it would be like an in-and-out attack kind of thing, you yeah, know? Yeah, God. But he would just, like, hang out. He'd go through their drawers and their wardrobes. He'd look through their fridge. He'd eat their food, drink their beer. What? What? It's so weird. Apparently, a couple of times, his victims would think that he'd left because it's like, oh, it's been really quiet for a while. He's gone. Um, but then he'd just appear again. Who? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so the plates would start rattling Sorry. and he'd just yell out, still here. Uh, oh, Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Got a bit of horror film about it. It right. totally does. He just starts smelling and he's put a turkey roast on. Oh no! <laughs> oh god! <laughs> These things take like two hours to cook. <laughs> he comes back. I'm going to need. I'm going to need one of those plates. Actually. He's having friends over. Where's your gravy boat? 
You guys got garlic? Who doesn't have garlic? What the fuck? <laughs> Where are the condiments? <laughs> <laughs> Do you not chop? Oh, mustard not in the fridge. What is wrong with you? Oh, my God. I'm not eating this. <laughs> this spice rack is inadequate. <laughs> Just break it in to make him a dinner. Oh, like, mate, you've in the house. You've come in here like three or four times. Don't don't you know what we've got? Yeah, surely. Yeah. He, he comes with a backpack with all of the things. <laughs> no, that he one day they come in, they're like, oh, I don't remember buying that gun. I don't remember buying that paprika either. <laughs> what is paprika? Just, it's the 70s. He sacked their, their spice rack. <laughs> That's when we knew we had a killer on our hands. <laughs> a killer chef. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so like they'd think he's gone, he'd come back, just sort of like he was psyching them out. And again, he would he would ignore money, but still small personal items of no real value. Things like cufflinks and jewelry, and I mean jewelry probably has a bit of value, but you know what I mean. Like you could take cash, and he'd take. No, I'm taking your wedding right, ring. It was a more like keepsakey type. Yeah, weird, weird little souvenirs. Yeah, or, gross. Yeah, very gross. Um, he does not sound. Quite right, this guy. No, I think, Matt, I think that is an excellent instinct you're having there okay. and probably a very good observation. Mm, not quite also, right. I don't like him much no. at all. <laughs> no. Well, he's In a great... fact, I, I quite dislike him. Oh, wow. But he, he's a great chef, though. I'm just picturing and punching him in the head real good. Yeah. With paprika. Oh, no. With uh, with cinnamon sticks yep. in a little bag. <laughs> so, yeah, slapping him around a bit with a little cinnamon stick bag. You like that? Yeah. Why, don't like you, that? why don't you stuff him like a turkey? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Put a full orange up in. Oh, cinnamon sticks up the chuff. <laughs> no one likes that. No one likes no cinnamon one likes up that. the chuff. <laughs> so then he would, like, creep away, leaving the victims, again, uncertain if he'd left. Oh, that's terrifying. But also, I guess in a way, that kind of means they can't pinpoint the time that he left. Also, also and he can't run and call the police straight yeah. away because you're, like, waiting for, like, 20 Don't know minutes. If he's got, exactly. So that gives him plenty of time to get far away and also they'll have no idea when he left and how far he could have gone. Right. Maybe. Maybe that's part of the thinking. I don't know. But, I mean, you probably wouldn't say goodbye, would you? You know? Uh, you know All right, toodaloo. All right, I've just tried the last dish. Thank you so much. Thank you and so much. <laughs> yeah, the dishwasher is on. <laughs> yeah. So the the I've also I've put a little something <laughs> in the slow cooker <laughs> for tomorrow. It'll be ready for tomorrow night. That's for tomorrow's tomorrow's dinner. I'll be back around six. <laughs> Keep that on low for eight hours, and then um, if it needs a little more, just add a little bit more fluid. Um, pop it on for another four. Okay. Okay. All right. Pairs very nicely with a Pinot Noir. Which I've left here for you as well, obviously. Um, it's chilling. Uh, <laughs> I put that in the fridge last week, so it should be very cold. A Pinot Noir in the fridge. He is a serial killer. That's the first clue. Um, so he operated in Sacramento County from the first attack in June of 1976 until May of 1977, so almost a full year. Um, but after... A yearish of frequent attacks, he went quiet. So, like, but, but like, quite a, a few attacks. Pretty frequent. God. After about three months, he struck in the nearby San Joaquin County in September, before returning to Sacramento for all but one of the next ten attacks. So he's uh, all he's so prolific, and they cannot catch him. Isn't that and it all in one, and it's just in one area each time. Pretty specific areas, yeah. It's uh and it, and what, what I guess it's so I'm assuming because he's 
go goes away for three months. That's him just probably doing his day job or something. Yeah. Or getting distracted by it's so wild to think of this guy as having a life. Yeah, being a, a real person. And it's also crazy to think that is if he's so prolific. If he's doing ten attacks. I mean, whatever. Each of them are clearly very well researched yeah. as well. Right. So he has yeah. to stalk these people, sometimes break into their house. Well, maybe that's what the three months yeah. is. Do, is he doing research for the next? He's got so many. Like, wow. Well, they started to have a bit of a theory that, like, some of the areas had, um, like, those big housing estates being built. So lots of construction and stuff. And, and they kind of they had a theory for a while there that maybe he worked in construction because – that's what was taking him to those areas. Right. But they still couldn't find anything solid in that. But that was something they thought for a little while. But it's just crazy, isn't it, that, like, it, I mean, they didn't have the DNA technology that they have now. Yes, right. It feels like this just uh, – because I was researching this and then had to go uh, to work overnight alone in a dark building. And I was like, I'm going to die. But then I was like, now we have CCTV. Yeah. You know, yeah, and people right. know where I am. A lot harder to get away with. Yeah, like he can't walk into someone's house and have a beer. Yeah. And like, like have a sip and put it back without people being like, well, we've got your DNA. Exactly. <laughs> and like even wearing gloves and stuff, he's left no DNA around. Or maybe he has, but they have nothing to, they can't match it to when anything. When did DNA really come in? I don't, I don't I, even I know. Thought, I was thinking it was around by then, but not quite. I think maybe more like 80s, but oh. I, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah. But isn't that wild? But probably, it did, and it's probably not. It's just gotten better and better, I think. It did give me a, a little bit of solace, though, that I was like, oh, I did just walk into this secure building yeah. past a security guard. Who knows where I am? Yeah. So, And there's cameras everywhere. So it's probably fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even pick my nose at work just and, in case. And yeah. you're you know? smart. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you are live on air around the country. Totally. So somebody would probably <laughs> like, notice if suddenly yeah. it just went dead It went air. dead. That's right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, God, that is encouraging. The All right. It went dead, and so did so, the Jess. So did, yeah. But they'll be able to pinpoint when, and yeah, then they'll know when to look at the security camera. It's sometime fine. Sometime between Skeggs and St. Vincent. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's what I do. I thought of one new band, and I saw one you great. My, my days of anyway. Skeggs is a good reference. Yeah. And the chats. Yeah, the chats. The chats. I've seen the chats. There you go. You're cool. You're hip. I'm cool. You're rad. Hey, I'm all right. (laughs) Don't worry about me. Do you know either of those bands? I don't know, Skeggs. Okay. What about the chats? Goxie supported Skeggs on a national tour. (laughs) Oh, I've seen photos of Skeggs then. Yes. I don't think that's The chats are, they're they're, they're doing a big tour maybe in America coming up or The the, chats. The UK. Yeah, they had a big, sort of big song with Smoko. It's called Smoko. Yeah. Not for me. I'm on Smoko. So leave me alone. Yeah, it's not for me. <laughs> what about Pub Feed? You into that? That's their other song. Yeah. What about Identity Theft? You like the sound of that? What is? Th- I mean, okay. I'm not going to say anything. Music's nice. changed Music's since you were changed. a boy. <laughs> yeah, it's really for low IQ people now, isn't it? <laughs> I'm on Smoko. I'm having a Pub Feed. Cool. Oh, Dave. You just alienated yourself from our young listeners. Sorry, everyone. Judgy, I'm not as hip as you. Judgy boy. Yeah, not hearing any of the music, but I making s- assumptions. I saw him support the Cosmic Psychos at the mm-hmm. Croxton, and then at the end of the Psycho set, they all came out and played a song together. It was like oh. a super double group. It was sick. That's it was nice. A real great fun show. Oh, that seems like they were having a good time. Cosmic Psychos have a song called Pub, there and also an, and another song called Nice Day to Go to the Pub. Oh, uh, 
which we've blasted loudly in the car in the UK. Crack okay, so now you're on board. Oh, I'm on board with that. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, you are hard to nice read. Nice day to have some beetroot. Have some beetroot. <laughs> I love beetroot. I love beetroot. I love beetroot so much. Anyway, so he um, is attacking all over the place. He attacks five times during the summer of 1978 in other counties before disappearing again for another three months. And then attacks moved primarily to uh, Contra Costa County in October and lasted until July 1979. Wow, that's so many. Yeah. And after terrorising Northern California for several years, the attacks then started happening in Southern California, primarily in Santa Barbara. And with new territory and new police jurisdiction came a new name, Original Night Stalker. They, original was in the name? No. Okay. They called him Night Stalker and then there was another guy in the 80s called Night Stalker so then they changed this one to Original Night Stalker. So are, are people like serial killers copywriting their names? <laughs> I mean, I don't think – I mean, this guy didn't give himself any of these names. But it just seems like, oh, we can't call the Night Stalker's taken. The original, that's, yeah. a, that's they, what happens with we bands. We can't think of a new Yeah, when name. bands like, oh, there's already a band in America called Night Stalker. All right, we're original Night Stalker when we tour America. What about Nocturnal Stalker? You know, there's Yeah, options. give it something else. But uh, had it not taken, Daytime Stalker. Had it taken this long to get the name? What do you mean? The, the original Night Stalker? Because there's been so many attacks. Sure. No, but this is in a new area. What so now it started Stalker? happening in Southern California in Santa Barbara. Right. And so because remember that like the police aren't talking to each other. Yeah, so crazy. now all of a sudden there's just a, a new set of attacks happening and only, and this is a little spoiler, but only years and years and years later they figure out it's the same person. Wild. So they're just like, oh, it's, all these attacks have suddenly started happening. It's like, no, this guy's been pretty prolific. And then when they time. go away, they go, oh, thank God. All Pretty gone. much. And then All like, right. Yeah. Oh, well. Not our problem. Good, good. Oh, he must have died. Thank God. They genuinely think that at some point. Fuck. So he first struck in Santa Barbara in October of 1979, and now the attacks have taken an even darker turn. So on the it was the 1st of October, an intruder broke in and tied up a couple in Goleta in Santa Barbara. When the intruder had left the room, the woman screamed, raising the alarm to their nearby neighbours and causing the intruder to flee. And their neighbour, conveniently, was an FBI agent who pursued the perpetrator who fled on foot through local backyards, like I was saying before, just like jumping fences. Sounds like an athlete. Yeah. And they've got a lot of theories, and I'll talk in a sec about sort of the profile they build about him, what they they think. But this FBI guy didn't have any luck catching him? Didn't catch him. But how you would feel pretty secure living next to a cop or something, you know, unless you love drugs. Right, yeah, like, then you feel damn. pretty insecure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, you know. If you've got a meth lab out of the back. Yeah. Or you just smoke a lot of weed, you know. <laughs> Everyone when, knows that smell. When the new neighbour moves in and they're like, yeah, I work for the FBI, you're like, oh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. anything oh, in particular? Fine. Yeah, I, um, uh, I'm on a drug squad. Okay. Just uh, okay. Give, me, give, me, give me a couple of minutes. <laughs> There's an explosion in the backyard. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, um, all done. I popped the kettle on then. <laughs> Your backyard's on fire. Don't worry about that. I don't worry about that. I need to burn it uh, for at least a couple of hours to burn all the evidence. I mean, um, <laughs> I'm so weeds. sorry. Got to burn all, the, all those it's weeds. It's back burning, yeah. back burning in the suburbs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, got to look after uh, back burning. Every, anyway. Everyone in the neighborhood's getting a sweet buzz. Yeah. <laughs> or they just, the FBI guy just hears the toilet being flushed all night. <laughs> 
like flushing drugs? Yeah, the flushing drugs. Yeah. <laughs> okay. not, not, and then the next day, it's like, oh, I just had a, a bad... Really bad stomachache. Yeah. Oh, my God. oh, got gastro. Thank God I remember to lift the seat this time because <laughs> last, last time, time was, was horrific. And then the cop walks in there and there's just a pow, pile of powder on the toilet seat. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Damn. flushing for hours and... Uh, it's still there. It's just a block of drugs, <laughs> a cube. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the FBI agent tried to chase him but uh, didn't catch him. But this couple um, that were first attacked were lucky to survive and they were an anomaly in a string of Southern California attacks. What followed was at least five more fatal attacks over the next two years. So killed five people? N- no, more than that. Just a couple in a, in a, in a go. Oh. So, Did, uh, and was he still wearing a mask? Yeah, he was masked, and it was still sort of like the same kind of surveillance, and then breaking in, separating the couple. It was still that kind of thing. So once they connected him, they're like, "Oh, we should have talked oh, to each other." Yeah. Before. Oh, that made sense. So weird. You had that. We had something incredibly similar right. just before you. Wow. So the two that survived saw him, but he was in a mask. Yeah. Yeah. But they they had like a. Through lots of different, um, through a bunch of different attacks, they had an idea of kind of what he looked like, like height, weight, blue eyes. They had that. So he's wearing right. like a, a balaclava, I would assume. Blue eyes, that's a minority, I think, of eyes. So Is it? That narrows it down a little bit. I think brown's more common. Got a special sure. little probably if you take, Well, that's probably if you take the worldwide population into it. Yeah, that no, right? does make sense, yeah. And I do. <laughs> <laughs> we are the world. People are like, well, it clearly wasn't... Uh, Less likely that it was someone from Asia. Okay, we can okay, uh, rule that over there, even though we weren't investigating over there. Doesn't it's matter. A Let's rule it out. Different part of the world. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's good to make a list just so you check it yeah. off. Yeah, it, it does feel better, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. <laughs> um, so on December 30, 1979, 44-year-old Robert Offerman and 35-year-old Deborah Alexandra Manning were found shot dead at Offerman's condo in Goleta. Um, and on... March 13, 33-year-old Charlene Smith and 43-year-old Lyman Smith were found murdered in their Ventura home. So these are all pretty close areas. Right. So there's like December, then March uh, of 1980. Um, the The unusual Chinese knot, a diamond knot, was used on Charlene's wrists. The same knot was noted in the Sacramento East area rapist attacks and the murderer was therefore briefly given the name diamond knot killer they're right. not that creative really are they but no that's a cool sounding name but also aren't you basically advertising if if that's in the media or whatever then he hears that and goes, well i won't use that not yeah. anymore if i w- don't want them to associate me with or it. he's more like damn right i'm yeah, the diamond right. knight yeah, and that's, that's usually more the case the kind right. of notoriety yeah I'll do, yeah, that's my my calling card. They kind of, yeah, they kind of play that game because uh, they're sort just, of like you'll yeah. never catch me because they're not quite right. They're not quite right. Oh, yeah, I'm getting that vibe. Not with a K. Um, then in August, <laughs> newlywed 24 year old Keith Eli Harrington, 27 year old Patrice Harrington were found bludgeoned to death in their home. Although there was evidence that the Harrington's wrists and ankles were bound, no ligatures or murder weapons were found at the scene. So it's like he'd taken it all with him as well. What are ligatures again? Like uh, stuff to tie your right. wrists and so it could be Never shoelaces, string. I don't know me either. I was, I was listening to an audio book about it and I was like, ooh, ligatures. Well, ligatures. Um, and then in February of 81, a 28-year-old Manuela Witham, um, was raped and murdered in her Irvine home. Her husband, David, was in hospital with a virus and Manuela had kept the same routine over several nights in a row. She'd have dinner at her parents, 
visit the hospital to see David and then go home. So it was David who raised the alarm actually um, because he hadn't heard from her for a day or so and he asked her mum to go and check. Oh, that's an awful discovery. Horrendous. Detectives also noticed that the couple's television was found in the backyard, possibly the killer's attempt to make the crime appear to be a botched robbery. Okay. But, like, you just moved it to the backyard. You didn't steal it. You just yeah. moved it. Maybe that's why he didn't steal big items because he was always getting away on foot or on a bike. Yeah. It's kind of hard to carry a TV with you on a bike. Also makes me wonder, does he is he earning a decent living during the day maybe? So it's just good... money's not a... It's not a motivator for him. That's a great, great observation, Matthew. Oh, but how, I'm just wondering how he has time for all of this. Yeah, yeah that's true too. You got to, if you are working full time, even if you are moving around for work mm. from Californian city to Californian city, you've got to. I mean, he's yeah, planning and plotting and spending all night killing people. It's, it's horrific. But like, mm. just the time management is. You're going to say yeah. impressive? No, it's just like it kind of unbelievable. Dave, are you thinking it's impressive? No, I was going to say kind of unbelievable for someone if they are working full time. Yeah. He's kind of made murdering a full time job, which is so weird. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like how we worked full time and did podcasting on the side for a bit. And then after a while, podcasting was enough to kind of, you know, support us. <laughs> Maybe it's like that. Oh, I still work full time. Huh. Podcasting does not support no, me. No, it doesn't at all. <laughs> it helps me. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, But, you know, more, please. (laughs) Please, sir, can I have some more? Please, have some more. Or if you have any odd jobs you need. Yeah, any work done. If you're like a casting agent and you need someone to be a busy mum, I'm your gal. Or a busy dad. Or a hot young son. (laughs) Yeah, okay, we could be a little fam. (laughs) Imagine that. You'd have to shave off the beard. Would you do that for? Yeah, for for money, yes. (laughs) Okay. How much? Because we've been meaning to talk to you about it. Really? (laughs) Have Have you trimmed it at all? Yeah. yeah. He shapes it. He shapes it. He tidies it. it. That's what I thought. I thought that couldn't be unfettered growth. Yeah, this is uh, clipped. What do you think? Yeah, it's looking very trim. Love it's it. a small beard. That's what you want. It's sort of in... You know anything too bushy, it gets a bit yuck. It's, uh, it's, a, it's in the George Lucas school of small beards. Oh, no. But people make fun of him. <laughs> I saw an old friend last night and they were like, "You realize, this is the new you now. You look better oh. with this. And I was like... I can go back. Like this is in front of the, no, this is the new you now. Yeah, you're done now. Do you I think like this is me? me? I like I it, but it's real. I mean, only you can decide Obviously, who you but are. But I'd never. I just hadn't really thought long term. Sure, but maybe it is. Well, see, I'm. I'm trying to. This is so unrelated. I'm trying to grow out my hair, and then I saw a video of us at comedy festival probably last year, and my I just cut my hair real short, and I was like, God damn, that looks good. Oh wow. God damn. Yeah. Oh. So it's hard. You got hair nostalgia. Yeah, I really. Do. I always do. And then when it's short, I'm like, oh, I miss the long days. You know, you can't, I'm never happy. No. I'm never happy. Never hair is always greener on the other side. Yeah, you're right. Mine is. Turn around. Green. <laughs> Dave's um, coloured the back of his head green. Yeah, just the back. <laughs> so there were a couple more attacks as well. Um, in July, um, another couple were attacked in uh, a residence in Goleta, and the offend- offender had entered the house through a small bathroom window. Um, the the man Gregory Sanchez was shot and wounded in the cheek before being bludgeoned to death with a garden tool. Ugh. But no neighbours responded to the gunshot. Yeah, my question I wanted to ask was: a lot of the people being shot because I was using a silencer or something. Why are people, people just, not hearing a gunshot? Yeah, and maybe in just not areas. not like Some, responding. Sometimes to I imagine at least two of his killing two people. Yeah. It's so it makes no sense. If I heard a gunshot, I'd be quite sus. I reckon. Yep. I'd be like, oh, that doesn't sound right. 
Better call someone. Yeah, I'd call someone or I'd mute the TV and just listen for a bit and be like, was that a gunshot? What, else, what else can I hear? You know what I mean? Gunshot rattling plates. Yeah. Something. I'd be like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah. Someone's having a wild party. Um, so after this attack, there was nothing for a few years because um, that was a in – A few years? Yeah, that was in 81. Then on the 4th of May in 86 – 18-year-old Janelle Lisa Cruz was found after she um, was bludgeoned to death in her Irvine home. Her family was on vacation in Mexico at the time of her attack um, and a pipe wrench reported missing by her stepfather was thought to be the murder weapon, but they didn't find that either. So the Southern California murders were not initially thought to be connected um, by investigators in their respective jurisdictions. A Sacramento detective strongly believed that the East Area rapist was responsible for the Galetta attacks, but the Santa Barbara County Sheriff's Department attributed them to a local career criminal who was later murdered. So they're like, no, 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 it's this other guy that we know about. Oh, he's murdered. Everything's going to be fine. Then it's right. all done. And that's why it went quiet. Yeah, I that's guess so. Their, their that's reasoning. they're like, well, that's it. Um, but after the 1986 attack, the killer went quiet again, and this time it was for good. So it probably did make them sort of go, well, I guess that's it then. Right. He must have died. In 86? Yeah. Right. I mean, obviously we've been saying this all along. There's something quite wrong with this dude. Mm. But do they often stop for five years after, you know. If you and kill, then come back for one and did, then stop? Yeah. You've killed 10 people in a year yeah, or attacked 10 like... people in a year and then gone, take five years off. Maybe so then, started talking to someone. Well, so, that, yeah, what else could have been happening in his life maybe? Jail. Or? Move uh, moved somewhere else. Or family. Oh. oh. I'm just, that's just a theory. So he had kids and then went, oh, the murder life's not for me anymore. Uh, well, yeah. I highly doubt it was a down. conscious decision of, oh, maybe that's not right. I don't know. But like nearly all... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This show is brought to you by BetterHelp. I got to get something off my chest. Okay. I ate your last biscuit. I was that saving has been, them for my wedding. That has been stress. <laughs> that has been stressing me out. I'm so sorry. I feel a lot better to get that off my chest. You know, keeping things bottled up can affect people negatively, and that had been affecting me. And that feel that's a weight off my shoulder. Yeah. It was delicious. I'm not sorry, but I did take the last biscuit he, that he was saving for his wedding. I didn't know that. <laughs> That is upsetting to hear, but I think I'm going to have to get some uh, positive coping skills, learn to set some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you could give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's very convenient. It's flexible. You can fit it around your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire and you get matched with a licensed therapist. You too can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com D-G-O today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash D-G-O. All serial killers we've ever talked about, um, this killer, or at very least someone claiming to be him, made contact with police, media, and even victims. So I've got a few um, examples here of, like, phone calls that he made. He also, like, wrote letters and stuff to to media a couple of times. So it was mostly a few phone calls. So um, back in 1977, the Sacramento County Sheriff's Office received three calls from a man claiming to be the East Area Rapist. 
None were recorded. You got three calls from someone saying they're doing a bunch of attacks and you don't record any of those so calls. How quickly would you be able to they'd, – they'd have it. – they'd probably have a thing where they just push a button to record. I guess it? so. Well, you think – at least – For quality – Purposes, you know, quality control. Yeah, that's right. And training purposes. And training purposes. Yes. Of course, well, even if you miss the first one, you get a recorder ready in case they call back, right? And he did 15 minutes later. So the first one was at 4.15, then the second one at 4.30, and they were identical calls, and they ended with the caller laughing and hanging up. And the final call came in at 5 p.m. with the caller saying, I'm the East Side Rapist, and I have my next victim already stalked out, and you guys can't catch me. And from what I understand, there was an attack that night or the next day. So and until that attack, were they like, "That's just a prank," probably. But like, record them. Um, a man claimed this is another time uh, in December of 1977, so later that year. A man claiming to be the rapist called the Sacramento police, saying, "You're never going to catch me, East Area rapist, you dumb fuckers." <laughs> Similarly to the previous call, the East Area rapist attacked his victim the same night. Wow, it's so strange. So, and then in December, oh, so that was uh, the 2nd of December. On the 10th of December, so, you know, a week later, um, shortly before 10 p.m., Sacramento authorities received two identical calls saying, I'm going to hit tonight. What Avenue? (laughs) W-A-T-T. Not like, what Avenue? Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, yeah. He's giving them a street. I'm taking requests. Yeah, what Avenue? Um, Both were recorded and the caller was identified as the same person who placed the the call... um, the week earlier. So law enforcement patrols were increased that night and at 2.30am a masked man eluded officers after being seen bicycling on Watt Avenue Bridge. How is he getting away? Well, he was spotted again at 4.30 and he discarded the bike and fled on foot. It was a stolen bike as well. So uh, twice they spotted him and he got away. Right, but he didn't attack anyone that night? I don't think so. Wow. How... It's. It doesn't make any sense. It's. It seriously is like a. Um, a it's, like it's a Mike Myers. <laughs> Michael Myers. Michael Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Who throws a shoe? <laughs> <laughs> he sits on a bike. You can't catch me, shagadelic baby. <laughs> <laughs> They're like Mike Myers. Mike Myers. <laughs> That's so clearly you. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm fat bastard. <laughs> what? <laughs> swing, swing. You picture Michael Myers riding on a bike, though. That's what it sounds like. Yeah. He just he's just he's just slowly just making his way around, just un uncatchable. Yeah. Unstoppable. And you mentioned before, like maybe he was talking to some sort of professional help. Well, in January of '78, a man claiming to be the East Area Rapist called the contact counselling service and said, "I have a problem. I need help because I don't want to do this anymore." And after a short conversation, the caller said, I believe you are tracing this call and hung up. Oh, was she? Or were they tracing the call? No idea. I believe you're tracing this call. I have a problem. I need help. Don't want to do this anymore. You don't think a counsellor would trace a call? No, do I don't think so. No, well, yeah, they, no. Why in the 70s would they ha- even have that technology ready to go? Yeah. Yeah. And there were a couple. This is really weird. So, okay, so one theory was that, uh, well, he's died in 86 that's why he stopped. Um, in 82, a previous victim received a call at her place of work, a restaurant, during which the rapist threatened to attack her again. Oh, my God. According to Contra Costa County uh, investigator Paul Holes, who goes on to investigate this guy a lot, um, they 
reckon that he must have come to the restaurant by chance and recognised her. Oh. And so he was still in the area. That is so fucked. As if you haven't already ruined someone's life enough. I know. And I'm really sorry if you're listening to this at night. It's not good. I Yeah, I'm starting to think this guy's got no morals at all. Do you reckon? I reckon you might be right too. So, but that was 82. There was also a call in 2001. 2001? In April, one day after an article in the Sacramento Bee linked the original Night Stalker and the East Area Rapist, a victim received a call from him and he asked, remember when we played? And then hung up and she recognised the voice. Terrifying. So 2001, still alive. So that's at least 15 years after the attack. But he he stopped. He's obviously just keeping his toe dipped in or something. So, or it's just like strange, like yeah. So, and we were talking before. Uh, uh, there was a speculative psychological profile of the killer was compiled based on um, their analysis. So it was speculated that the killer most likely had the following traits. So an emotional age equivalent to a 26 to 30 year old at the time the murders began in 1979. So it wasn't a, like not a young man, not a really old man. But that you said emotional age. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Well, as in, not like uh, they didn't see uh, examples of someone being say thirty, but having the emotional age of a twelve-year-old. Like no sort of learning difficulties, or right. maybe had some knowledge of police investigation methods and evidence gathering techniques. Dressed well and would not stand out in upscale neighbourhoods. Um, good physical condition, had some means of income but did not work in the early morning hours, um, hated women for actual or perceived wrongs. If he was married, probably had a submissive spouse who tolerated his sexually deviant behaviour, intelligent and articulate, um, neat and well-organised in his personal life and drove a well-maintained car, peeped in windows of many people who were not attacked, who was self-assured and confident, um, would continue committing violent crimes until in, incapacitated by prison death or other intervention and would have been described by those who knew him as arrogant, domineering, manipulative and a chronic liar. So that's just sort of, and this is based on 70s and they've got no real evidence of this guy, just based on the way that he attacks and behaves. This right. is a psychological profile they've put together. I mean, it just was not accurate though in the terms of that it would, he would keep ta- attacking unless he was jailed. Yeah. Which we don't, I don't know yet, but. So some of it, and this is a little spoiler, some of it, bang on. Really? Some of it, not quite. But some of it, fuck, bang on. Uh, He didn't dress well at all. He didn't dress well. He's always in trackies. And his (laughs) wife was like, just put on something nice. It's our anniversary, you know? Ugh. Um, So they could figure all that out. But at the time, DNA technology hadn't come far enough to help them correctly identify the killer. But then, of course, the murders stopped. So had he died? Was he already in prison? What happened to him? Um, police had a couple of suspects, but most were men known to victims, as is usually the case. Um, so there was no evidence to connect them and to those crimes and no one was ever charged. People were investigated, but they weren't guilty. But also this entire time, no one had called him the Golden State Killer. Have you uh, noticed I haven't said that at all? No, yeah, yeah. So the, all these different names. So in 2006... Um, Michelle McNamara, who is a true crime author, launched her website, True Crime Diary. And after authorities linked DNA evidence that connected the original Night Stalker and East Area Rapist, she coined the moniker Golden State Killer. 
to refer to the serial killer and rapist who'd previously been referred to by various other names. Right, so she amalgamated the She amalgamated. She came up with Golden State Killer. She became interested in the Golden State Killer case and penned articles for the Los Angeles magazine about the serial killer in 2013 and 2014. Um, HarperCollins offered her a book deal and she began working on her debut novel. Um, Tragically, though, which you may know, Michelle died in her sleep in April 2016 from an accidental overdose as well as an undiagnosed heart condition. Um, her husband is comedian Patton Oswald. Mm, right, I do remember that, yeah. And along with some true crime writers, he finished Michelle's book and it was posthumously released in uh, Feb of last year, 2018, almost two years after her death. Uh, on April 25th t- last year, two months after the release of her book, the Sacramento police announced they had r- arrested a suspect in the Golden State Killer case, 72-year-old Joseph James D'Angelo, a former police officer oh. from Auburn and Exeter in California. Um, and Patton Oswald uh, quite famously took to Instagram when he heard of the news and he says, looks like they've caught the East Area Rapist and if that's true, they've caught the Golden State Killer. So I think you've got him, Michelle. It's two years after she died, two months after her book was released, right. they caught him. Was it, in, was it important in, the, in catching him, the book? Um, I it probably helped. I haven't seen um, heaps to say that like it was with her research that they found right. it. There was people working on it regardless. But what was notable about her work was that she was, and I'll talk a little bit about it um, at the end as well, but she wasn't just looking at it from that because we've all got that sick kind of fascination with serial killers or people who do these awful things. We're all kind of like... You're fascinated by the details, but also you don't want to know. But yeah, she, I find that I read about it and then I go, I wish I didn't know Yeah, that. exactly. But she was really approaching it from the perspective of a lot of different people, from police and also from victims and people living in those areas at the time. And, again, I'll talk about it in a sec, but, like, it rattled an entire community for a really long time and people didn't feel safe because all these attacks kept happening. And I read somewhere that it wasn't a question of um, if, it was a question of when. People were just assuming that they will get attacked at some point. It was totally fucked. Um, So a little bit about uh, D'Angelo. So he was born uh, on November 8th, 1945 in Bath, New York. He joined the U.S. Navy in September of 64 and served for just under two years during the Vietnam War. Um, Beginning August 1968, he attended Sierra College uh, and in June 1970, he graduated with an associate degree in police science with honours. In May of 1970, he became engaged to Bonnie Jean Colwell, a classmate at Sierra College, but she broke off the, you guessed it, controlling and possessive relationship. Oh. So after their breakup, he reportedly appeared at her bedroom window with a gun and she uh, alerted her father, who told her to lock herself in the bathroom and not to come out until he told her to. And after a couple of hours, her father returned and told her that it was safe that Joe had left. A couple of hours. So she went on to marry an accountant. Um, <laughs> bad move on her part. And um, <laughs> Joe bought a house only a few miles away from hers, but he didn't bother her again. Oh, thank God. So that's good. Um, in 71, he attended Sacramento State University where he earned a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and undertook police training. And from May of 73 to August of 76, he was a burg- burglary unit police officer in Exeter. Right, and the attacks had just started around then? Yep, and it was in a town of about 5,000 people near Visalia where the ransacker had started before this. Oh, right. no, around that time, So yeah. is there a chance that he's burglaring? On the job, in Are uniform? They- 
Oh, no, he's doing it at night and then the next day getting called in being like, well, yeah. look at this case. This is a bit crazy. Yeah, it's, I guess it's possible. I wonder, yeah, I wonder, but if he, I, it would be it'd be silly to do it in uniform, right? But it, maybe that also gives you an alibi if you, but he was never disturbed in that way, was he? He was, he was in a mask. So he was off duty. Yeah. But remember mm. the first thing that they thought about him was that he had an understanding of police operations. Yeah. And he did. Um, by 76, he'd been promoted to sergeant and was in charge of the Exeter Police Department's joint attack on burglary program, even though he was a large part of the problem. Yeah. Um, he was married in 73 to a woman named Sharon Marie Huddle. They had three daughters and separated in 1991. Oh, those poor kids. Um, he was fired from the police force in 79 for shoplifting a hammer and dog repellent. And he was sentenced to six months probation and he was fired that October. So he was off the police force. And not much is known about his work in the 80s, but in the 90s he worked as a mechanic before he retired in 2017. So it seems like other than a few menacing phone calls, he lived a relatively normal life. And do they know why he stopped? No, they are still investigating. He was arrested last year, but they're still looking into it. He hasn't. Yeah, it hasn't gone to court or anything yet. No, they they suspect it will be like uh, it could take up to ten years because oh, wow. there's so many crimes and cost twenty million dollars. But he will probably die in that time. Yeah. Ugh. But they know it's they're confident it's him. Yes. Um. So another kind of like weird thing is that his brother-in-law said that D'Angelo casually brought up the East Area Rapist in conversation around the time of the original crimes. Like he'd sort of talk about it, maybe gauging other people's perception of it. Right. What would you be hoping for? Someone to be like, yeah, I know, pretty cool, huh? What a rad dude. Like, of oh, course I think not. You probably want the people to be ter- like, terrified yeah, by Yeah, you probably yeah. want the fear. You want it because that's the way you experience it firsthand. Yeah. Your relatives are like, yeah, it's really scary, isn't it? Mm. And neighbours reported that he frequently engaged in loud, profane outbursts and one neighbour reported that his family received a phone message from D'Angelo threatening to deliver a load of death because of their barking dog. So he was pretty unhinged. Um, but... How did they finally catch him after such a long time? Hmm. How did they do it? Detectives had uploaded the killer's DNA profile from a a rape kit from way back to their genealogy website, uh, GED Match. So like an Ancestry.com type Oh, right, yeah, when people put their own DNA in. Yeah, because they figured he wouldn't have put his own, sure. That would be stupid. God, that would be so stupid. But if we can find a match to distant relatives, we can build a family tree, and that's exactly what they did. So the website identified 10 to 20 distant relatives of the Golden State Killer and a team of investigators and genealogists worked on the case, eventually narrowing it down to two suspects. (laughs) Right. One suspect was ruled out using DNA, leaving D'Angelo as the only remaining suspect. And the ethics of how they confirmed his guilt are a little bit questionable. Um, They collected a sample from the door handle of his car because obviously they couldn't, like, approach him because then he he could run. He might flee. Yeah, he would jump over a fence. I guess, still. At 72. At 73, he's like, I'm done. Um, uh, so they got a sample from his door handle and later another sample was collected from a tissue found in his rubbish bin. So they just went through his rubbish out the front of his house. Right. Despite the ethical issues, um, they were able to identify the man who had terrorised an entire state for over a decade. And it was like just a direct match from there. Yeah. Isn't that fucking wild? Wow, and so he hadn't killed for over 25 years. Yeah, and he can't be charged with the rapes or burglaries because of a statute of limitations. Why does that exist? That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, uh, you've you've won, you beat beat us. You held out for long enough. Yeah, that is 
Why does that exist? Well, there must be a reason. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but it has been such a long time. Especially and not that on that's like, okay. yeah, yeah, high sex crimes, surely that is just forever. Yeah, I mean, if you were 10 and stole a Freddo from the milk bar. Yeah, okay. Sure. Sure. Um, You're a rapist, there's no, 50 years later, I don't care. It's quite different, isn't yep. it? Um, so the statute of limitation has expired on those offences, but he has been charged with 13 counts of murder and 13 counts of kidnapping. Right, okay, well, if they get him on those, then. Yeah, he, he won't get out on bail, you know? So in late April 2018, um, the Visalia chief of police stated that while there's no DNA linking D'Angelo um, to some of their cases, his department has other evidence that will play a role in the investigation, and the police chief said that he was confident that the Visalia ransacker has been captured. So that was just sort of linking that uh, those original um, just petty ransacking things right, so just linking to him as well. This is also this guy. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, though the statute of limitations on the burglaries had, ex- had each expired, he was formally charged on August 13 with first-degree murder of Claude Snelling in 1975. So the murders he can be charged right. with, just not rapes and burglaries. Right. Not all of them. Yeah, it's... Something to remember, though, is that because no one ever was, was ever caught, former victims never felt safe. Like even people living in the area never felt safe knowing that these attacks were happening so frequently. There's this um, really good article in Rolling Stone um, and it talks to a woman named Judy Galane um, who'd lived in Rancho Cordova in the 70s and she was in her early 20s and was terrorised. This is a quote from her. She says, the rapes weren't really on the news but you'd hear about it at a party or at the park. She says, did you hear that there was another attack, we'd say, and I was always worrying how would I survive it? What would I do? Um, it was May of 1977 and Ghislaine's first baby had arrived. News reached her that the rapist would strike with children in the house. And she says, now I have a kid and we've just moved closer to the ditch, which was like an area where it was happening the most. And she thought, I have to protect my kid. What am I going to do? Um, this is all a quote. The reporter says, I asked Ghislaine whether she ever had a close call. Yes, she had. At least once, just a few months later. It was Christmas time and Rancho Cordova was kind of a party spot back then, she began. Her husband was out, so Ghislaine's friend Laurie came over to bake Christmas cookies. There was, a, there was suddenly a loud, urgent banging at the door. I went to the peephole and whoever it was, he was covering the hole, she said. I was pushing my hip against the door. It felt like he was pushing that cheap little door in. Whoever this person was, he then took the hose and wrapped it around the door like a figure eight so that we couldn't get out. Maybe he decided to trap them and, and try a different way in. We were in the house screaming, oh, my God, it's him, it's him. The neighbour came over with a shotgun. Maybe she heard us screaming. She undid the hose and got us out. Learning of a suspect's captures all these years later, Ghislaine was jubilant and felt a rebellious glee and, of course, freedom from the enduring fear. Put it this way, Ghislaine said, last night was the first time in 40 years my husband and I were able to sleep with the window open. Whoa. <laughs> Ugh. Isn't that fucked? Yeah. So, yeah, the case is still ongoing. Wow. I would literally move. Totally. I would move away from that yeah, area. Yeah. Absolutely. No, of course. No doubt about it. Especially if you had a family. No way. No, I'm out. I'm okay, gone. Okay, I'm getting a new job. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is not how it should be, but no. I just would be so scared. I couldn't, yeah. couldn't live like that. It is amazing. Yeah. That, and I think often that's just not how, how it goes. You know, like yeah. even in... In Melbourne, the, maybe some vague equivalent is bushfire areas. Like people oh, know yeah. every like out of every Melbourne. summer, there's, there's a, a high chance that a bushfire is going to sweep through, and 
you know, most people will stay and, and sometimes the house burns down, they rebuild and go again. Not everyone, some people move, but a lot of people do just stay, mm. not, even with yeah. that hanging over your head all the time. But yeah, this it's wild. Maybe there's other reasons you can't can't afford to. Yeah, of course. I, I should say that a lot of people probably could. Of course. But I would just be, I don't know, it would drive yeah. me crazy. It, yeah, and it did. Yeah, and that's why. And that and forty years later, she's still thinking about it every day. It's like totally. Whoa. And now she she finally feels safe, even though he hasn't yeah. attacked for such a long time. And what obviously that's a terrifying instance. And some of the people that he would have attacked would have been actually attacked. Imagine the survivors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He'd you, never sleep well again ever. No, no, doesn't matter where you go. I found a, a there's a page on Wikipedia about statute of limitations. Mm-hmm. It says there's three reasons for their enactment. Uh, one, a plaintiff with a valid cause of action should pursue it with a reasonable, with reasonable diligence. Okay. Uh, two, by the time this a stale claim is litigated, a defendant might have lost evidence necessary to, to disprove the claim. And three, litigation of a long dormant claim may result in more cruelty than justice. You can kind of understand with burglary you might lose evidence like you don't have your insurance forms from 40 years ago or whatever. I don't know where I was that day. Like, is it because it's... Yeah. Who knows? Well, yeah, that that evidence one makes a little bit of sense in something like that. But I don't think it really applies to rape cases, you know? Yeah, that's not a thing in Australia, is it, people... I really I think on some things. There is statute of limitations. Yeah, on some things for sure. Right. I say that because sometimes we make that joke on uh, the dog act segment that I do where people tell me about petty things that have happened to them. And you call it a statute of limitations. Yeah, I say, nah, you can't. It was too long ago. Get over it. Yeah, that's true. But that's usually about their housemate borrowing their thongs or something. You know, like it's not a big deal. I think you should move on from such things. Yeah, get over it. But in this case, not, not. Relevant. Um, there's heaps of really – obviously I just tried to do like a pretty broad uh, sort of start to finish kind of thing there. There are a lot of really interesting articles and um, that book by Michelle McNamara is called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. It's really great. There's also a, a mini series called The Golden State Killer, It's Not Over, which I think was – well, by the looks of what I've seen, it's before they'd caught him. So it's pretty right. interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll chuck all those references Um in this episode description, but that is uh, my report on the Golden State Killer. Great work, Jess. Wow, Jess, thank you for Oof. having to delve through that research so Matt and I didn't have to because whoever had to draw that straw, obviously, yeah. we're thinking about death for a big part of the week. Yep. i got to go to work overnight again tonight, so that's yeah, good. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you wanted it. So. That's right. The people requested it. You love it. It is. It is. In a very morbid and strange way, it's fascinating. Oh, yes, and you can see why true, why true crime is so so popular. But it is, yeah, I think about it late at night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's scary. It's not good. Yeah. Just because like, he started as a bit of a prowler or a peeping Tom and then I was walking to my car up the driveway at my house and I was like, Ugh, uh, you think, think? And it was midnight when I was heading for work. It didn't feel good. You, you talk about his sort of origin story with the – him being a, a bad, he was an asshole. He was like an over, a yeah asshole boyfriend. So partner split off, and then he he left her alone. And I was thinking at first, I'm like, oh no, this is going to be this is where it starts. But because he was a cop, and he knew he, he would know that he'd be the first suspect. Yeah. he's already he's he's publicly like her dad knew and stuff. So yeah, it's 
it's like even more calculating. Like he yeah. know he he's and it all almost like he's taking out his anger on her against others or something. Yeah, because you were saying that the profile said that um, he has a hates women. Hates women. Well, one of the attacks apparently he said something like "I hate you, Bonnie," and her name was Bonnie. Oh fuck! And so oh. when they kind of joined those dots, they're like, "Ah, oh, okay, yep, right." So so Bonnie was lucky. Yeah. Was really lucky to get out. Jesus. Yeah, it's... Unlucky to have met him. Totally. But... Did you... Is there anything... Were the family surprised? I don't know. I didn't really see much like that. Like but, yeah, his... he's, like, married or separated with three daughters, and he was living with one of his daughters and a grandchild when he was arrested. Oh, imagine... Oh, their life would be turned upside down as totally. well. Totally. Yeah, just reframing everything you think you know. Yeah. Awful. But let's not think about it anymore. Okay, well, let's think about something much more positive, and that is our Patreon supporters. Uh, and the first thing we like to do uh, in the second half of our episodes is the fact, quote, or question fact, segment. Fact, quote, or question. One of the um, – it's the Sydney Scheinberg Memorial Deluxe, rest in peace, level of the Patreon. You can give us a fact, a quote, or a question, as well as a bunch of other um, great rewards. And you, as well as giving us a fact, a quote, or a question, you also get to give us a title. I don't read these until I read them on the show. It's all part of the fun. And this week, our fact, quote, or questioner is Linda Moulton from, uh, well, she lives in Thailand, I think. Yep. We oh, met her, yes, went over we in Thailand. have met her in American. Thailand. Yeah. And uh, teaching over there. Yeah. Hi, Linda. Really, she's a woman of the world. I think she's actually about to, I'm pretty sure... She's visiting Australia soon. But uh, Linda's called herself. You get to give yourself a, a title. She's called herself Gecko Queen of Gainesville. All right. I like that. So I think um, I've seen on am... social media she does live. She has a gecko. has some geckos where she uh, stays. There's some geckos around oh, her place. Right. right. I am the gecko queen. <laughs> Lizard queen. I can feel the music. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, doctor. Oh. I'm not a doctor. And Linda's given us a quote this week, and the quote is, well, let me just read uh, the message here. It says, The current Guinness Book of World Records holder for fastest talker is held by a Canadian man, Sean Shannon. He earned the title in 1995 by reciting all of the to-be-or-not-to-be soliloquy from William Shakespeare's Hamlet. He recited the entire monologue in 23.8 seconds. The entire speech itself is 260 words. Uh, here's the Guinness Book of World Records website with a video of Shannon giving the monologue. I'll give that to you to link so people can watch it. Jess. Cool. That's like, what's it, 10 words a second? 10 words a second? Oh, yeah, I don't really understand. That was some good fast math, Dave. Uh, Thank fast you. math, Dave. That's I'm what we call you. the world's fastest math calculator. You are. Uh, the current female record holder is Fran Capo whose speed was calculated at 11 words per second. Um, couldn't find the video for that one. Apparently the record is no longer accepting applications because it's difficult to judge the legitimacy and accuracy. Um, of which, whether people are actually saying yeah, it for words. Exactly. Just going, <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. And the, uh, She says that she was inspired to give us this uh, fact when we were talking about uh, my talking speed on the John Mc. Uh, McAfee episode. Ah, oh, were we saying you were slow? No, no, a very fast talker. Just called it a quote. I reckon that's a fact. I'm going to retitle that 
quote a fact. That's a yeah. good fact. Great, Great fact. fact. Great fact. Uh, thank you so much, Linda. Thanks, Linda. It's a fantastic fact. Fantastic. Uh, and we also like to thank a few of our patrons who've been uh, on the Patreon supporting level of whatever it is and above. Maybe DB Cooper, is it, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those. I mean, it's clearly listed on the thing. That's right, because as well as the shout-out here, which we're about to give you, you get access to ticket sales before everyone else. You get two bonus episodes a month at a certain level. You get to be in the Facebook group, mm. which is uh, going off just as a Patreon newsletter. And we just have a little community on there. Yeah. It's a nice way to be. It's actually the associate producer or the Ask Prod level. Oh, yeah. Right. Thank yes. you, Ask Prods and Thank above. You ask prods. Uh, so, okay, so usually what we do is we like play a bit of a game. But I don't really want to give these people serial killer names. Oh, we would. I reckon we did that in the past. Do you reckon? We've, we've matured, have we? All right, let's do it then. <laughs> if that's what you want. I'm not saying that's what no, I want. I mean, that certainly sounds like that's what you want. What? Dave, did you hear that Matt wants to give... Uh, well, otherwise we could, we could base it off Linda's fact about speed talking. Maybe it, we could give them a world record again or the thing they do the fastest. <laughs> if you're thinking about Dave coming real fast. Yeah, us, real yeah. quick. Why do, you, why do you assume... Dave, come on. <laughs> I don't understand. If it's going to be any of the three of us. You think it's me? Big time. Why? Dave, look in the mirror, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, if I look in the mirror, it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> what do you reckon, Dave? Do we give them something that they do, something they're the best or some, at? Or something else. Or a murder name. I think the world record thing's better, isn't it? Yeah, it's a bit nicer. All right, well, can I kick us off um, and thank from Sydney, Australia, James Hatfield. James hey, Hatfield. Hey, hey. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. He thank must you. get that all the time. James Hatfield. Very close to James Hatfield, the Metallica from me. James has actually got the uh, Guinness Book of World Records record for wearing the most hats. Wow. What, at the same time? At the same time. He balances 87 hats on his head at once. Wow. Yeah, it's huge. That's a lot. Yeah, I know. I know. That's why he's won the records, why no one can top him. Top a lot, hat. A lot him. of hats. Yeah. On, uh, when I used to do the uh, world record show, we broke uh, made-up world records with Adam Knox and Andy Matthews. I once did the world record for wearing the most party hats at once. How oh, many? yeah. So I put a lot on. I can't remember the exact number, but it was so big that. Uh, and then I, we attached extra. You know how you get a chin strap, yeah. a little bit of elastic. We made it longer and longer at chin straps. So yeah, it was quite quite tall. And I remember, it, yeah, I think it sort of fell off towards the end because it was just so so big. Yeah, it's not structurally sound. Yeah, not eighty six. I'm not. I'm not in the James Hatfield. Level. No, God, no. You wish you could be. Do you remember that. this uh, this kids book for when you were kids? It was it was about a man selling hats, and then there were a bunch of monkeys in a tree and he's walking around. He's got like this pile of hats up on his head and he goes, he's going, hats for sale, hats for sale, something like that. And then a monkey comes and gets his hat. And then maybe it used to be read on play school because I can remember how they, and then the hat seller would be like, you cheeky monkeys, why did you steal my hats? <laughs> and then the monkeys slowly take all the hats. I think he maybe gets them back in the air. You cheeky monkeys. monkeys. Why did you steal my hats? <laughs> you looking at me? Did I make this up? Yeah, I think you made this that up. I think that's book. a story your dad read to you yeah. as a little boy. <laughs> Don't look it up. 
Just move on. I need to know. I don't think you do need to know. I'll. I'll all right. I'll thank. Can I thank? As well, oh, I mean, James Hatfield, well done so much. I'd love to thank from Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia, Dan Pajic, or Pedic. <laughs> I was a groomsman. I was Dan's best man, so I know his. I do know his name. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's good. One yeah. of the best. One of the best guys in the world. What an honor to have you as a Patreon. Oh, Dan, Dan, Dan the man. Haven't seen you for a while, Dan. Hope you're well. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan. Um, all right, Dan. Dan, what's... He's very tall. He's very tall. Once I was... I went to... He goes to Geelong, and once after a game, um, we're on the busy platform at Spencer Street Station, Southern Cross Station, and we're standing there waiting for a train, and this guy was near us on his phone, and he's going, yeah, I'm on Platform 7. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got my hand up in the air now. I'm right next to the freakishly tall guy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. (laughs) You were right there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Weird, but That's we laughed so pretty hard. That's, <laughs> That's lovely. Yeah, so what's his record? Um, being the most freakishly tall. He's not the tallest, right. but he is the most freakishly yeah, tall. Yeah, that's right. Other people, you understand yeah. Yeah. why they're that tall. But this, this is it's a like, freaking It makes major. no sense. All of his family, four foot. How are you Dan, that tall? Huge. It doesn't make any sense. doesn't make any it sense. science. It's freakish. That's what it is. Sorry, Dan. Good on you, Dan. You freak. Hey, Congratulations, Dan, on the world record. Yeah, good for you, little superstar. Can I thank some people too? Yes, please. Hooray! I would love to thank from Hamilton in New South Wales, here in Australia, Chloe Warren. Oh, Chloe Warren. Chloe Warren. Where was Chloe from? Hamilton. Hamilton. New South Wales, very Aussie uh, Patreon section. So far, yeah. Chloe Warren. Oh, you know, you think Warren, you think Rabbits, yes. Ray Rabbits Warren, one of yes. the great rugby league commentators. <laughs> oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Don't you? Do you think Rabs? I've never heard of that person. Fiddler. <laughs> Jesse, have you heard of this rugby, wide. this rugby league? Of course com- not. It just course got more and more obscure. One of the great rugby league commentators, <laughs> friends. <laughs> um, he's actually, he, he would do pretty well on the fast talking, I think. Um I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to blank my mind and say the first thing that comes to oh, it. Great. Right? I'll, I'll lead it in for you. Ready? Okay, you blank yeah. your mind. Okay. Chloe Warren won the Guinness World Record for? 73 trees. <laughs> wow. Eaten in? I don't know. Planted you, 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 in okay. under 10 minutes. Wow. That's that's pretty amazing. Yeah, most trees planted in 10 minutes, 73. 73 trees. Wow. It's a little forest. I wonder, did you have to dig the holes? Yeah. Yeah, she's that good. That's really good. And we're talking fully formed trees, right? Fully formed trees. <laughs> like 20 <laughs> metre tall. tall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gums. She's wow. like carrying them in, yep. chucking them in their hole, onto the next hole. Wow, well yeah. done. I know. That she's... is more impressive than I even realised, Chloe. Yeah. What an amazing time. effort. Chloe Warren. Thank you, Chloe. And I would also like to thank from London, where we're going to be so soon. So soon. So soon. Terrifyingly soon. We should book flights. Um, there were tickets still available when we started this episode. Yeah. That was an hour and a half ago, so who knows? Who knows? Who knows? 
Come to the matinee show. Different show to the other ones. If you want to do the double, some people are doing that. My favourite is when people say, are you doing, is it the same show? And it's like, God, that would be so boring for us. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I'd rather they... do more work and have a different show every time. I think there are podcasts that tour that do the same Definitely. show. Definitely, sure. And I guess that's fine. But mm. how do you make comedy? I'm guessing they're not comedy podcasts. Uh, I've heard my dad wrote a porno do the same show. I don't know. And I also, because their show is someone reading something and people reacting to it in a similar way. So vein. how do you uh, react authentically differently five times? Well, I don't you, understand. You, that's where acting comes oh, in. Ah, see, Jess. that's what we don't do right. Actually, I'm not 100% sure. I've just heard someone say that. But it's like, I mean, I don't know stand up, stand-up's re- often relatively similar night to night. Yeah, so. yeah, that's stand-up. But yeah, it does feel weird to do uh, the same... Podcast. Podcast with no. conversation. We will be doing different shows. Just Although I've just, just thought of this idea. Fuck, actually, let's just do <laughs> let's one. Let's just write it out. We'll write one good show. One really good one. We'll script it. Yeah. And then we'll just release that for nine weeks in a row. Yeah. Oh, well, then we just go, like, we go to London and we press play. But we'll s- sit on stage maybe miming. I might just be on my phone scrolling for yeah. a bit. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, might have will. a nap. Yeah, that's You know smart. I love a nap. <laughs> Um, but from London, I would love to thank Ian Landman. Oh, <laughs> with the power of land. Oh, what a great superhero. <laughs> I love Landman. that. Landman. <laughs> thank you, Ian. Dave, what do you reckon Ian's uh, got the world world's for? hottest superhero. Okay, Landman. Move over, pretty... Clark Kent. I was going to mm. say, Clark Kent comes to mind with hot, hotness and superheroes. Um, Obviously. Thor, Captain America. Hulk. Hulk, so you hot. Why, things. why are you not saying the hottest of the hot? I know, Hawkeye. I'm just saying. Oh, I fucking love Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Hawkeye's great. He's arrows. Hawkeye's underrated. He's a man. He's no land man, though. Come on. He's no land man. Is land man part man, part land? Yes. <laughs> All Top half hot. is man. Bottom sounds... half is just a little country. <laughs> He's just standing in a pot plant. <laughs> he sounds kind of like Earth from uh, Captain Planet. It's like Earth ring guy. Kwame. Kwame. Yeah. Captain Planet. Don't start it. No. So uh, that's that's Ian. Thank you, Landman. 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 superhero. Dave, bring us home. I would like to thank from Sydney now, in New South Wales, Hannah Hitchcock. Hannah Hitchcock. Hitchcock. H-H. That rolls off the tongue. Your parents did well. Yeah, I love that. Hannah Hannah Hitchcock. Hitchcock. I love that. You could be a crime writer. You could be a comedian. You could be a musician. Crime writer's good. Hannah Hitchcock. Have Have you read the latest Hitchcock? Yeah. Hannah Hitchcock. Hannah Hitchcock. Hannah Hitchcock. Um, and she has the record for... Most goldfish. Most Whoa. goldfish. In a bowl? Yeah. Are they alive? Yeah, but it's a really, really big bowl. Oh. Like really big. Like a tank. It's so a... The re- yeah, but it's still bowl-shaped. <laughs> okay. So the record's really for biggest bowl. Because, no, well, there's, I mean... There's How many goldfish you got? 2,000. Whoa! That is a big bowl. In one bowl. Cream on the cake. Is that there's a lot of goldfish in it, but basically her it's record is for biggest big bowl. bowl. Yeah, yeah. Cream I'll on the cake. Cream mm. on the icing on the cake. Icing on the cake. <laughs> cream on the put. <laughs> there you go. Put some cream on your put. Yeah, you put. Thank you, uh, Hannah. Thank you Congrats. so much, Hannah Hitchcock. One of the greats. Oh. And bringing it home from Indianapolis, Indiana. <gasps> I'm wearing my Gary Indiana T-shirt. You are. Thank you for showing it to me, as if I. It was given to me by. Camille. Camille. Oh, well so done, good. Thank you, Dave. I blanked there for a second. Who is now studying acting full-time. What? In Bristol. 
in the really? UK. So I'm hoping oh. we're going to see him at our live show. Catch yeah, up with that'd him be there. cool. Um, Hopefully he's already got a ticket because it is sold out. <laughs> yeah. You say, um, if not, uh, send me a message, Camille. Um, um, and we'll give you directions to Leeds, <laughs> where there are still tickets available. Yeah, you're just, I think it's the Bristol Old Vic Theatre, which is a very prestigious theatre that a lot of very famous actors have trained at. And uh, he was one of few people that got into this, this Will, William McInnes. Uh, oh, like... Lisa McCune. Yeah, yeah, yes. The guy sorry, that played sorry. PJ. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ray Martin, when he's uh, acting. He was never on Blue Heelers. <laughs> he so. was never an actor. That's how good he is. Whoa. That was a character the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> His name's not Ray Martin. What kind of name's Ray I was Martin? once at the Darwin Airport. Was I with you? Yes, we're I spotted Darwin... him. Oh, you spotted him. We were at the Darwin Airport and Ray Martin was there. What was he doing? He was just, he was about to fly somewhere. What's he doing We now? assume he was there to see us at Roadshow. That's the only possible explanation. That was all that was happening in Darwin that night. Did he I think starts... Was... Everyone starts their sets with, great to be here. Ray, how are you? <laughs> no response. He's in the booth. He's in that oh, royal yeah. booth. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, finally. From Indianapolis, Indianapolis, Indiana, I would like to thank Kevin McNulty. Oh, Kevin! Great name. Kevin! Kevin McNulty. Kevin Mack. For a while K-Mac. there, Adam Knox had a joke where he would talk about just coming in for the Christmas holidays and then he'd just pause on stage and go, Kevin! And it was incredibly funny. <laughs> <laughs> that is really good. Very good. Oh, Adam Knox, very funny man. Very funny man. Kevin McNulty. All right, whose turn is this? Probably mine. All right, what do you got? Uh, Blank your mind. Come on, Matt yep, Sarr. Come on. All right, I'll say, do you, how much of it? I'll give you a bit of a lead in. I think I'm good. Okay, great. Oh, you're going to give us some of a lead-in. Yeah, give me a lead-in. <laughs> yeah, I said I'll give you a bit of a lead-in. You said I'm good. I thought you meant you were going to pad for a bit. No, no. I was All right, give me a lead-in. Matt just went silent and then yelled, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin! World record for the biggest... Bowl of cereal consumed. Whoa! Whoa. Good record. That is a good record. Dave just, Dave just shuckered. Yeah, he did shucker that. <laughs> Sorry. Idea. Were you also picturing Nutrigrain? <laughs> yeah, I appreciate good work when I hear it. <laughs> I can't do the, the uh When the I was a Nutri-Grain, kid, yeah. I, they, they had a, for a while they had a promotion if you bought the big box of Nutrigrain, you get this huge bowl and it had different lines ah. on it like normal man, yeah. pretty good man, <laughs> <laughs> uh, huge man. Iron Man. Oh. So it's like a real smart gimmick because it made like it, to- it like sort of peer pressured you into pouring a huge bowl of Nutrigrain, which is just sh- brown sugar basically <laughs> shaped into Lego. Yum. And then you, <laughs> it's so good. And then yeah, so you'd eat the packet in two bowls, and they'd be like, "You fucking idiot! You we gave you this more. shitty plastic bowl, and it's meant that you've just upped your intake by three times." Anyway, that's. But Kevin did that. He upped his intake by 12 times. Yeah. Yeah. He act- Interestingly enough, he actually used Hannah Hitchcock's bowl, goldfish oh, bowl. No. Oh, no. Are the goldfish all dead, 2,000 of them? Yeah. He ate 2,000 goldfish. Well, no, because you know, you've know, you got to wash the goldfish bowl once a week. You need two bowls. So she, when she was changing oh, the water, okay. she had them in a, in a big jug. He came and just started filling, in, uh, <laughs> filling up with milk. <laughs> Okay, well, that's well. At least no goldfish were harmed. Thank goodness. Not and until they went back in. Sure. And there was milk, milk residue. Yeah. So and they were lactose intolerant. <laughs> Thank you to all our world Shitting record the holders. Bowl. They shut themselves to death. <laughs> much like Kevin McNulty did <laughs> after eating that much nutrient. <laughs> if you're going to shit yourself to death, remember to lift the lid. Yeah. Be polite for those who have to find <laughs> you. <laughs> 
Oh, you want to find someone with the lid still closed. Oh, God. No good. Oh, all right. Thank you to our world record holders, James, Dan, Chloe, Ian, Hannah, Kevin. You are the world record holder for some Kevin! of our, our favourite people in the world. So good. Thanks so much for all your support, you legends. Uh, that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode. It absolutely does. Things we can tell people is we've got T-shirts. Jess has just got a, a bunch of new T-shirts in, mm-hmm. and you can find them on our website. Like everything else, do go on pod.com. And uh, Jess sends out a lovely little note with these. I do. A uh, lovely one. Lovely little note. Except one in ten, I write an abusive one. <laughs> so Roll the dice. It'll be fun. And you can also find out all about those tour dates on there as well. In the UK, uh, Dublin and Perth, please come along. It'll be great to see you at those places. Every All the information is on there, basically. Primates Out Tomorrow is about the uh, Marvel character Beast, famously played by Fraser Crane. Ah, oh, of course. The big, blue, hairy mutant man, who's a bit of a genius. Oh, well. just a bit of one. Yeah. Okay. You know, for a mutant. Sure. I think... Anyway. I think that would make you smarter. It does. Reason. Oh, okay. Yeah, it does. World go. record holder for biggest brain, Dr. Fraser Crane. Wow. And, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week with our third block topic. Um, block, even block, block, kick. No. Tro- even hotter than this week's block. Blopic? Blopic. 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 Sounds like Bop Shadow Self. You know what? We may even have a guest... Coming up soon. Yeah, it's oh. pretty exciting. Uh, and who? We haven't booked them, so oh. <laughs> no, we have, we have, we have. <laughs> if you go to patreon.com slash do go on pod, and then um, you can you know hang out in there, but also the Facebook group, which is a lot of fun, and where uh, we where all of the block ideas came from, basically. Mm. Yep. Um, but yeah, what are, anything else to say, Davo? No, I think we are pretty much done here. Uh, get in contact at any time. All the links are on dogonpod.com one Please more time. Please give us a five-star review. Always fun to read. Makes us feel good. And, yes, there was something else I was thinking there. What was I thinking? Oh, yeah, follow us on social media. There's uh, We've got an Instagram, a Facebook, and a Twitter. We've got it all. Yeah. We should they get said, a TikTok Can you have it all? Something. We do. Someone asked for a TikTok. Oh, God, I don't know what it is. Short videos. We're too old for TikTok. Yeah. yeah. We should get know. a kid. Any kids out there want to run our TikTok? We should get a kid. All right, let's get one. First you get a kid, then you get a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks so much for listening, guys. Until next week, we'll say thank you and I'll say goodbye. Later. Bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.